It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hello and welcome to the Autosport Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Karanorkas. Welcome to our latest episode where we'll be discussing the latest news in the world of Formula One. First up, it's Autosport's F1 reporter, Luke Smith. How are you, Luke? Doing good, thank you. Yeah, I'm willing for this season to get going, so we've got more to talk about, I think. I, I very much share your, your view on that, Luke. It is, it is just feeling like every day is the same. But It's rather pessimistic of me, but so lovely. Also joining me, of course, is Motorsport.com's F1 editor, Jonathan Noble. How are you, John? Yeah, I'm not too bad, but I think more importantly, we should be um, congratulating you, I believe, Alex, on uh, your Young Motorsport Journalist of the Year award, shouldn't we? <laughs> thank you, John. I, I, I wasn't going to mention this. It's not in my script. Um, yeah, thank you very much uh, for, for that mention. Yep, it's uh, awarded by uh, Motorsport UK for any journalists and photographers under the age of 30 wanting to enter the award. So I did. And, um, and there we go. So yeah, I'm, I'm pushing, the, pushing the upper age limit ever so slightly. Um, but uh, but I got snuck in under it. So there we go. Anyway, moving on from me. No one wants to hear about me and my ridiculous life frankly uh, and we'll get on to the first of our three topics that we're going to discuss on today's episode although i should say thank you very much john for for mentioning that i do appreciate it and um, first up we're going to be talking about what i thought was a rather excellent video released by the mercedes team earlier this week which explained all the rule changes coming in for 2021 limited though they are within the agreement to carry over most of the 2020 car designs for another season uh, and it was an excellent explanation fronted by the team's technical director james allison and he presented a number of conclusions uh, but first of all i wanted to discuss uh, allison overall conclusion to the video specifically what he says here so if you were looking at this new season of 2021 and you were thinking it is just going to be a carryover of what we saw in 2020 well don't be fooled by anyone who is telling you that 
The rules are very, very different for 2021. The work we've had to do has been very wide reaching and we hope we have done enough to stay successful. But as ever at this time of year, we are just full of the anxiety and excitement of waiting to find out whether all this investment that we have made into the new car will pay off with a challenger that is capable of fighting from the front. So... I just thought it was a really interesting way, a note, really interesting note to end on from Alison, because he's the way he's sort of getting at is if you're if people are just expecting Mercedes to 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 rock up and win by a country mile as they did at so many races last year, don't do that because the changes are vast enough, even though they are compared to a normal year quite small. There is still the the propensity to for the team to 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 to, to trip up basically on these new rules. So. John, why might why might Alison have been moved to do that? What does Mercedes gain by by getting that message out there? Uh, I think there's two reasons behind it. Um, first of all, I think it's part of the Mercedes mindset has always been to you know be concerned that their era of dominance is going to come crashing down and um, laying tatters at their feet. I did an interview with Toto Wolff um, over the winter. And he talked about Mercedes being haunted by scepticism and pessimism. Uh, it's been a, a kind of psychological uh, makeup of the team, you know, since they started winning titles. So I think they always fear, and it's a real strength the team's got. They fear failures. So they're always pushing, pushing harder, and they're worried that, you know, the rivals are going to make a bigger step, and this could be the end. So I think it's partly come from that. And I think the second reason is I think these these twenty one rule changes. Um, the changes to the floor are quite minor. A uh, hundred millimeter section of floor that's just been cut away, and a few fins missing off brake ducts, and a slight tweak to the um, depth of the diffuser strakes. So, if you're a casual fan looking at the car, they won't look that much different. But in terms of the aerodynamic complexity of modern F1 machinery, these are key areas of performance. Um, we're going to see a between 10% and 20% drop off in downforce for teams they're going to the cars are going to be one second two seconds slower so there's a huge window of opportunity if you can recover some of that ground so I think this is what Mercedes run about that there's this big drop off there's now a battle amongst the teams to try and recover it and you know the teams that do get it right if they can recover half of the lost downforce that's going to be a massive chunk of lap time um, one team told me last week there's some quotes from Helmut Marco saying they, they'd hope to recover all the 2020 downforce into the season and this team said well basically if they do that they're going to win every single race because there's no way they think any team can do it so um, let's see where it all goes Absolutely. If you want a, a detailed explanation of just how the teams might be able to claw back some of that lost downforce, I do urge you to, to listen to our uh, our previous podcast uh, that we recorded with Autosports technical editor Jake Boxall-Leg on uh, the 2021 changes that are coming in. It does tie into only everything that uh, James Allison was saying in his video. I thought it was particularly interesting where he said, if you just take the floor changes in isolation, as you say, John, very, very small tweaks cost a second a lap, which just shows you how powerful and how important these, uh, these floors were on the car. Um, but Luke, We've kind of seen this movie before, haven't we, with Mercedes? You know, quite often Lewis Hamilton arrives in in Australia. Very sadly, we're not going there in March. Hopefully, going in November. You know, he comes up and says, "Oh, it's been the toughest preseason. Yeah, I don't. You know, I've got, I've, you know, I can't rely on anything." And 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 he still comes away as the world title. The team says, you know, things haven't been quite as smooth. We saw that quite dramatically with a new car coming on board and coming on song late in 2019. I think it actually underplayed how how nervous it was at Melbourne last year with with the engine problem, and that later was revealed later on. But do you think Formula One fans have been ever so slightly stung by Mercedes saying, "Well, we might not win again," and then just coming along and winning anyway? 
so many times, yeah. I mean, there's so many quotes that will run from, as you say, so, so willful Lewis Hamilton sort of downplaying Mercedes' strength or ability and saying, oh, it might be a close fight at the front or anything like that. And any time we tweet that out, you get fans replying, going, yeah, whatever, like, we know how this is going to go. And I think even in, I think I tweeted it myself um, after Abu Dhabi when Red Bull had such a dominant weekend with Max Verstappen really drove an excellent race. And after the race, Mercedes were like, oh, yeah, we've got a lot of work to do for next year. Like, it's going to be a really close battle. And I think I tweeted, like, well, you know, Lewis is going to be 30 seconds clear in the opening race or something like that, because it's it's kind of just how things go. But I think that, as John said, though, it's always been the Mercedes mindset of what they're doing now, no matter how dominant they are, is never good enough, that they've always got to sort of continue to adapt and overcome any challenges thrown at them. And they never, ever rest on their laurels to get complacent. And I I think that has been such a, a huge strength of the team throughout its domination of Formula One over the past sort of seven or eight years. And I think that that's a, an attitude that even as they get more and more successful and break more and more records, that's never going to change. So I think really it is kind of a, it, it is maybe a bit of a broken record. Like you kind of go, yeah, whatever, like we, we've heard this before. But I think that Mercedes are also, it's just part of their mindset that they never ever want to think what they're doing is, there, is enough. And they never ever want to get to the point where they're like, oh yeah, we're in good shape for next year. And then that is when things do come crashing down and this kind of dynasty they're building does come to an end because uh, yeah that's when you you really look like you got egg on your face so it's uh, yeah it was but I thought it was an excellent video from James Allison I think he's he's a fantastic um, orator and sort of explainer of everything technical in Formula One and I thought that uh, yeah it was just a nice way to sort of lead into the new season and I guess sort of get rid of this myth of that they're basically going to do the same as last year and it's the same car so therefore Mercedes might be just as dominant because as John said if Red Bull is able to better reclaim that lost downforce to Mercedes then we might well have a fight at the front but flip side of that is Mercedes I think Spain was the last race that they brought any updates to or Spa one of the two it was Spa Um, yeah but last August effectively yeah yeah, exactly. They so, didn't need um, any after then, Spain. They were far enough ahead yeah, after that. <laughs> it's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Um, yeah, so they've had all that time to already sort of think about it. So frankly, if my money is on anybody to have uh, accomplished that feat, it would be Mercedes. It's a really good explanation that Mercedes have done. And they do this quite a lot. You know, after every race, they got James Vowles or Alison again or Andrew Shovelin's come on and explain the sort of strategy calls that they made or why certain things didn't work as expected or, or even perhaps worked better than, you know, that they were trying on the car at various races. So, John, why, what does Mercedes, why does Mercedes do this? What does it gain? Is it just the fact that it 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 feels confident enough to reveal all its secrets? Because it's kind of it's kind of not the done thing in Formula One. You know, I find it hard to believe that Ferrari would potentially go down this route. Is is there a is there a particular strategy, corporate strategy that they're pushing with this? Or is it just the fact that they wanna they wanna this is what they want to tell their fans. This is how they want to engage with them. Yeah, I think you've got two options really as a, a media strategy and communication strategy um when it comes to say Formula One you know, something that's followed by lots and lots of people and has such big interest. You either pull the shutters down completely and offer nothing, or you you go full hog like Mercedes does, and you know they do a fantastic job in doing it in these regular explanations, um, offering some insight. Um, now you can argue that you know it's too open; it gives away too many secrets that rivals can jump on it. But the reality is, I'm sure they they say nothing that any of the rivals don't know about. And the benefit it does bring you is you know sure on the the good days. You know, there's plenty of stuff to talk about. And on the good days, if you say nothing, you'll still get the good publicity and the, the good stuff. But it's the bad days where it makes a difference. It's the days where you mess up or you make a mistake. Um, it will give Mercedes, you know, a platform to explain things perhaps better because it's all done in context. And it's done in context of what they've talked about previously. 
And also there's no, none of the filling in the gaps. You know, if a team, say Ferrari, you know, two, three years ago when they had a complete point blank, no team people were speaking at all. Um, if anything happened and there's a kind of a vacuum of information, the gaps get filled and conspiracies can come out and people can go in the wrong direction and actually ends up being, um, you know, a big negative for the team, I think, in the end. So at least Mercedes can explain things. It's transparent. The fans appreciate it. We, the media, appreciate it. And, you know, I wish a lot more other teams would, would go down and be as open as Mercedes were. Definitely. I think you saw that in operation and also the way the team approaches uh, certain things that it's giving away. About 11 months ago, when DAS caused all that stir at the first test, Mercedes was, was very open, knew exactly how it was going to explain, how it was going to prepare it. Probably... In fact, definitely because they knew how long it would take rival teams to copy it. And also because they were probably sure by that point that the FIA would step in and ban it, which they did pretty swiftly for 2021. And Alison reminds everybody in that video that they will say farewell to DAS, which is obviously a very, uh, a very novel, interesting, uh, interesting thing that they adopted. But uh, Luke, if you had to pick one team to be as open as Mercedes when it comes to its uh, media strategy, which one would you go for? So I think McLaren are pretty good in terms of um, be, being pretty open about things. And like particularly towards the end of last year, I mean, we got lots of brilliant access with uh, Andreas Seidel, James Key, Andreas Stella as well sort of talking about everything going on there and I think that's that that's really really cool to see um yeah I'll go with McLaren interesting interesting okay well we uh, we uh, we await to see what you gleaned from McLaren in uh, next week's Autosport magazine which you're writing ah, a cover feature on there yeah you know just just finally getting the hand of this uh, this podcast lock <laughs> uh, but let's move on to another area of the uh, of the video that I wanted to, to ask to ask you guys about and uh, and and also what I thought was a good explanation from James Allison where he talks about the implications of the new cost cap come for 2021 but particularly he goes into detail on how the wind tunnel and CFD handicap will work he says the challenge has been well if we are not allowed to use as much as our wind tunnel and our CFD as we were previously, how could we adapt our world so that we would get more and more out of every single opportunity in that wind tunnel? We only got one run in the wind tunnel. Let's make that run as valuable as possible. If we are only allowed to do a small amount of CFD calculation, let's make it so that the methodology and approach of these CFD calculations are as valuable as possible. So we've tried to adapt our approach to this, so we mitigate and maybe even completely offset the effect of this reduction and in the amount that we're allowed to use these fundamental tools. So it's an interesting, interesting point that Alison's making there regarding the handicap system because you think on the face of it, you know, you know, just just as it looks on paper, it benefits the teams at the back of the grid, like Williams, like Haas, like Alfa Romeo. They have more time to use these really, really valuable tools, tools that we know work. And the idea being, they can add downforce, whereas Mercedes has less time to do it because it was so successful. And obviously, as Alison says, it's a sliding scale. So the team that was second, Red Bull, has slightly more time, and and it goes on up the grid as as it were. Um, John, do you expect that to have much of an impact in 2021 or is it something to look for more forward to towards the new cars coming in 2022? Yeah, I don't I don't think this um, handicap system or is it called aero balancing regulations or it's got some some funky name. Um, I don't think it's going to have a dramatic effect and you think now suddenly Williams are going to have a huge aero advantage over everybody else and Mercedes will be at the back. But I think there will be an incremental difference and it will force the top teams to work just that little bit harder and there will be better opportunities um, f- for the teams further back. I mean, if they've got a bit of wind tunnel time left and say some, you know, huge aero innovation is spotted at a test or um, at a race, then the teams further back could, could use extra time up to, to evaluate that and look at that or look at separate projects. So I don't see it as a game changer, but I think it's just one of those quite nice little, little balancing things. It'd be like having 
you know, if, if Mercedes were allowed a thousand kilometers of testing and um, a team like Alpha Tora is allowed 1200 kilometers of testing and Williams is allowed 1500 kilometers of testing, sure, Mercedes could get all their all the work done in those thousand kilometers, but they'd have to work smarter. Um, they have to think a bit, a bit more about what they're doing. But I think in the end that, you know, there will be an added value to a team like Williams having, say, 1500 kilometers of testing or that aero equivalent. Um, so it will help them a little bit. And I think it's that that work smarter aspect that it's the is the key point here because you could look at this and say actually it's a case of the rules again only being as good as the teams that implemented them. So just because a team further down the grid has got more time to use these tools, if it uses them developing something that's the wrong development path or something that it gets wrong, then that's completely wasted. Whereas if if it could actually be a chance for Mercedes to get even better eliminating things in its processes if it was you know if it can get rid of something that it was sort of wasting a bit of time on or or previously doing wrong and it doesn't matter because it had unlimited resources to go oh actually that's wrong we need to we need to circle back and come around it if it takes that out again in a way it could almost it could almost boost its boost how it's performing i mean i'm, I'm not saying it will but it's just it's just an, there's always a flip side and it's it's a gain luke how do you how do you how do you feel about this do you think it's a gain an opportunity for the very clever people at every formula one team to show exactly how good they are because it's like okay we're changing the rules ever so slightly now go and do the best that you can with it yeah completely and it's just a case of being that much more efficient and smarter as you say in terms of what they want to focus their time on and I think it's just going to force everyone to yeah probably be that much that bit more mindful about what they actually invest their, their time and limit, more limited resources into and I think um, it's something I asked uh, Jody Eggington from AlphaTauri their technical director uh, at the end of last season I said like how much of an impact will this have in terms of like would you be happy giving up a position in the Constructors Championship say to get in return another 5% of wind tunnel time next year and he was like well team principal would say absolutely not because that's prize money and it's important um, for prestige and things like that and he said that it will sort of soften the blow a little bit he said but it is only what you make of it. Like just because you've got all the time in the world, if you waste your time on on things that either don't work or, or are the wrong direction, then it, it's pointless. So I think though, yeah, it is just another. It's another step towards making I think all teams just that much more efficient. And you think of things like I mean, back in the mid two thousands when you'd fit a, a new engine for for practice for qualifying in the race and, and things like that like it was f1 was very wasteful and i think that it is we're now in such a hyper efficient sport but that can even go to extent such as how much money you're spending with the budget cap coming in uh but also with yeah the wind tunnel clampdown i think it's going to be really interesting to see how all the teams sort of do adjust to that challenge and i think that yeah whereas some maybe might have just sort of had a sort of throw throw everything at the wall and hope that something sticks in the past now you won't be able to do that it'll be a case that you need to make sure you use your time wisely so i think it's uh yeah i think it's just another fascinating just challenge that the teams are gonna have to adapt to this year and i think we will really see the best teams rise to the top and continue to be the best and, and make the best of the situation Indeed. Well, let's move on to our next topic. And it's actually one that we chatted about on last week's news podcast, but which still remains relevant today because at that point that was regarding an upcoming event that has now happened. And that's Ferrari getting some unofficial 2021 test running in using a 2018 car. One that it just had, I'm sure, just lying around the factory at, uh, at uh, Marinella. And they were just like, yeah, let's fire that up. Give it a go. Uh, basically, it really significant because Carlos Sainz Jr. made his first appearance as a Ferrari driver, as we discussed last week. And after he got out, he said it was a day that he'll never forget. He had it was one of the most special moments for me today was when I arrived at the circuit and I saw the Ferrari with my number 55 on it. I was eager to jump in the car and that first installation lap was exciting. 
So, John, what did you make of seeing Sainz on his first official appearance for Ferrari? Because it's quite interesting. He didn't actually have to wait such a long time for this. Uh, As far as I understand, the moment it turned midnight after the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, he was effectively a Ferrari driver. Okay, he couldn't do the the, the young driver test. But yeah, it's it's been a while coming, this this appearance. Yeah, I think... um I think what it's done is it's kind of ticked off the the emotions of the first Ferrari test. I think for any Formula One driver, doesn't matter how successful you've been or um, how big a name you are, I think your your first Ferrari test is always something that's going to stick with you. Um, I think if Carlos had had to do it in Bahrain pre-season testing as you know the first outing in a Ferrari, you know, been a huge media circus around it and would have probably overshadowed what they need to be a you know proper day of work they've got drivers got one and a half days testing each you cannot afford to waste any time on kind of emotional stuff and faffing about and media and anything like that it's it's, it's down to business so it's ticked that off uh, and it's also just giving him introduction to steering wheel settings how the team operates what a car feels like because sure it's not the going to be what the 2020 car or 2021 car are going to be like totally but there are characteristics there are traits that each team has um i know we're speaking to esteban ocon um end of last year he's, he said he's had you know years with force india and mercedes which had a certain car concept and stepping into a renault which was a different car concept he had to relearn things from scratch basically so elements of driving a formula one car that he had taken for granted and think he, he ticked off and didn't have to worry about he was suddenly having to worry about it again and relearn them like a rookie so it would have been a good first step for Carlos. Now we can go into simulator and give the team some feedback. So when they turn up in Bahrain for day one of testing, they hit the ground running. Luke, what else did we learn from the test? Because it wasn't just one put on, especially for science. Uh, Charles Leclerc with, with, was there and so were all the Ferrari Academy drivers. And in particular, I think one of their futures got uh, got explained, even though it had uh, quite a lot of significance uh, back to a former Ferrari driver, Jean Alessi. So yeah, what, what else did we learn from this test? Yeah, so on Monday, uh, Giuliano Lacey, who's been a member of the Ferrari Driver Academy for a number of years, he got his first Formula One test. He was opening on Monday for the team. Um, and I believe it was close to 30 years to the day since Jean Lacey had also done a Ferrari test. I think, he, his, I think Jean's first one had come a couple of months before that, maybe. But yeah, there was a, there was a date significance and also uh, the numbers as well. Uh, Lacey famously ran with 27. Giuliano picked 28 for his test, which was quite cool to see. Uh, but it was sort of a final hurrah for Giuliano Lacey as part of the Ferrari Driver Academy. Um, John Lacey confirmed uh, in an interview with um, our colleague uh, Charles Bradley at motorsport.com that Giuliano would have been moving into uh, Japan for next season and they've confirmed that he'll be racing in Super Formula Lights, which is the series below Super Formula, and uh, also in the GT300 class, I believe, of uh, Super GT. So uh, moving moving to Japan, so it's next step. And um, John Lacey said that he's still very much part of the Ferrari family. There's still links there, but no longer an official part of the the Ferrari Driver Academy, so uh, so yes, that's uh, that's uh, one of their futures sewn up. It's quite a congested academy, as we famously saw in F two next year. But I think we're still going to see a lot of presence for Ferrari in the junior ranks uh, across the course of the coming year. Uh, Marcus Armstrong, he took part in his first Ferrari test. He became a, the second New Zealander after Chris Amon, I believe, to uh, drive a Ferrari car. So that was that was quite cool. He'll be racing in F2 again this year with Dams. And uh, Robert Schwartzman, he also took part in the test as well. And uh, again, he'll be in F2 again this season with Prima. So it's, uh, yeah, it's uh, it was a good chance, I think, for Ferrari this week to, to get their youngsters out on track. Um, also helped Mick Schumacher with some of his preparations for his rookie season. Uh, 
obviously driving for Haas, but they decided to give him some more running in the in the 2018 Ferrari. So uh, I believe he's probably on track right now as we record this, and uh, he'll be closing out on Friday morning as well uh, before handing over to test driver Calamila in the afternoon. So uh, yeah, very busy week for Ferrari. I think a good chance for them to get some some running in while they can, and uh, yeah, give the youngsters a chance to try and impress. Indeed. Well, sort of introducing that, I, I was flippantly joking about the 2018 Ferraris being lying around the Maranello factory. But John, why why is why is Ferrari able to do this, and, and why haven't we seen other teams taking a similar approach? Um, the regulations allow you to run a, a two-year-old, I think it's two-year-old car. It's called historic uh, or non-current car testing. Um, I think the, the terminology is. Um, so in theory, you can run now this season, this year, you can run a 2019 car. Um, as I think AlphaTauri um, are doing at Imola this week. They're giving Yuki Sonoda, um, I think Pierre Gasly will be there as well, some extra running just to get up to speed, get some mileage, understand procedures and pit stops and radio communication and settings. Um, but Ferrari had already had the 2018 car um, running last season. Didn't see much point in tweaking and changing and um, sorting out a 2019 car when you've, you've got a 2018 one there and, there and ready. And other teams... You know, it's their their choice, really. There's not really much... They feel there's not much to benefit um, from doing it. Um, we saw last year, just before this, the season got running, some teams like Renault um, did a test at the Red Bull Ring in a 2018 car. Um, we know that other drivers like Nikita Mazepin was doing quite a lot of testing in the Mercedes, private testing in an old Mercedes previously. We've seen Stroll do private testing as well in old cars. So other teams do do it, um, just... I think the, the whole Carlos thing was it's an important step it's a team right at the very front and um, you know if I think if Lewis Hamilton had arrived there even someone as, as you know big and successful as he is they'd have still done the same thing for him Let's come on to our final topic and this one sort of returns us to where we started in regards to the design rules for this coming year and, and the new in invert, inverted commas uh, cars coming uh, and actually it's a story you wrote Luke regarding McLaren's switch back to running Mercedes engines this year and its production director Piers Thin saying that this meant its 2021 Challenger was essentially a new car. So Luke your story says uh, teams are permitted to use two development tokens for major car upgrades which McLaren was forced to spend on fitting the new Mercedes power unit having planned to switch for 2021 before the carryover of the 2020 designs was announced. Uh, while most teams have kept around 60% of their 2020 cars for 2021, McLaren has revealed that the scale of the Mercedes power unit switch means the majority of its MCL 35M chassis is brand new. So, guys, I'm going to give you the same question. And uh, sorry, Luke, but because it's your story, I'm going to pick on you first. Um, I just wondered if we could just have a little bit of, uh, you know, a bit of thinking forward about what this big change at McLaren, because it is a really significant change at, at any point over the uh, you know over from one season to another regardless of of the carryover rules for this year in particular changing changing an engine uh, for a team what do you think this means in terms of McLaren's prospects for 2021 does the does the change make it harder or easier for them to do well because you could say okay suddenly we've got a different engine that could give you a significant boost quite literally in the power stakes it might just work better with the way that McLaren are designing things or with such so little chance, and as you explained in your story, Luke, to, to change things elsewhere on the car, if something does go wrong, it's going to be very hard to, to get out of that. So, yeah, do you think that what's happening at McLaren ahead of the new season makes it easier or harder for them in 2021? 
Uh, yeah, I can see both sides of it, but I think it is ultimately the, the right move. And it's something I asked Lando Norris about at the end of last year. And I said, sort of, what, what do you think? Like, will it sort of leave you on the back foot in, in those areas for the reasons you explained? And, and he said that ultimately the Mercedes power unit is a better package. So that will surely offer a step forward. And ultimately... Some teams, I mean, such as Ferrari, for example, I mean, they've they've been basically forced into where they've had to spend their tokens also around the rear of the car um, just because of the work they have to do on their power unit, which obviously isn't um, subject to the same kind of development tokens. So so it's a, it's a similar kind of thing, I guess. And I think that McLaren, they at no point have they ever sort of said, oh, like we're really in trouble here or anything like that. And I think that the noises have been have been fairly positive. And um, I, I get, again, something I spoke to Jody Eggington about, about that midfield fight and how close it's going to be between all the teams. And as I said, McLaren, if they've been forced to spend their tokens in that area, does that leave them on the back foot? And he said, ultimately, that Aero, which is not subject to the same kind of um, token system, that's still going to be king. Like That's still going to be the dominant thing coming through this season in terms of how much do you want to work on your 2021 car, knowing we've got this massive rule change coming in 2022 and that sort of dual development um, that I believe we spoke about on this podcast a, a week ago. So it's a, yeah, it's a challenge, but I think McLaren, I think they're going to be in good shape. I think, yeah, they've had to maybe sort of work, do a lot more work and a lot of... Um, work in a lot of different areas compared to a lot of the other teams but I think that fundamentally there wasn't any they didn't build a, a terrible car last year they got a good sort of understanding of it so I think had they been really on the back foot last year and then been told well you can't fix those issues that was such a problem then they would have been in big trouble but I think um, yeah I, I reckon they'll be okay this season Good, good well John same question to you how do you think that the switch to Mercedes power is going to impact McLaren's chances in 2021? Yeah I think there's a fair bit of momentum building up at that team I think if they hadn't if the, the change wasn't happening uh, I think there would have been a, perhaps a different mindset last season because we saw them introduce the new nose concept from Mugello you know it's a big push to get it on the car um, and in those early races you know Carlos Sainz what's Carlos Sainz and Lando Norris you know had times they were unconvinced about it there was a lot of work to understand it um, questions about whether they were doing the right thing to bring this upgrade package but it's brought in for a reason and the reason was the homologation rules, basically after September, you, you couldn't change after that without burning some tokens into this year. So it was about jumping ahead on that platform, which they couldn't do because of the engine change. Um, there was a theory, I think Renault, former boss Cyril Abitable, suggested that you know, McLaren would be on the back foot by having to burn its two tokens up to, to change the engine. But I think what it has offered McLaren is you know, the chance to tweak things and move things around that they wouldn't have been able to do normally. Um, so you know, better packaging um, at a time when the the floor rules have changed as well you know there, there can be an opportunity to tweak things that perhaps you couldn't have tweaked if you're locked in like the other teams um, so I think it, it should be a good step there should be a you know a step forward in power you've got the momentum of last season they've already done the work on the the new nose concept so the whole package should be working together and while there will be a learning process because all the power units are different how you use them um, how you optimise the energy recovery systems, um, how you gain the characteristics. The drivers have to learn how to how to drive them and extract the best from them. But I think after that learning process, I expect a, a pretty decent step forward from them. 
Well, we shall see how that works out over the course of the 2021 season. Uh, so, guys, thank you very much for coming on the podcast today. And of course, thanks to everybody listening along. Now, just before we go, we'd like to remind you that the latest issue of Autosport magazine came out on Thursday and will be available on the supermarket shelves and in news agents, as well as on the doormats of subscribers. There'll be a new issue of the magazine for you to pick up every Thursday, packed full of news, analysis, and the usual stunning photography. And of course, if you want unlimited access to Autosport from the comfort of your home, visit autosport.com slash plus to find out how to subscribe to our digital package. We'll be back soon with another episode of the Autosport Podcast. Music is 6am by Trilo, written by Marcus Simmons. See soundcloud.com slash Trilo Music. Redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino style games to choose from, you too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a world. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.